everyone. Welcome to Trusting Children podcast episode one. I'm Aisha, your host. I'm a mum of three, an ex-nursery teacher, and early childhood development is my passion. I started this podcast to help parents respectfully navigate parenthood. I'm really excited to be launching this show. So thank you for taking the time and for tuning in and listening. Have you ever heard people telling you, you need to observe your child and thought, sure, but why and how do I do it? If you have, then this episode is for you. We're going to talk all about observations, what they are, why should we do them, and how can we do them? I promise you that by the end of this episode, the idea of observing your child won't seem scary or strange to you at all. You will understand the value of observations and you'll come away with a clear idea on how to do them. I want to start with why. Why are observations so valuable to us as parents? When we take the time to observe our children, we can really notice what skills they are currently working on developing. For example, my twins, when they were about one year old, I noticed them trying to stuff objects in different crevices. If any of you have a one-year-old, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And yes, as inconvenient as this could sometimes be, for example, they put a plastic lid into one of our heaters, don't tell our landlord, (laughs) Um, But rather than getting annoyed by what they were doing, I observed and noticed that they were repeating this action over and over again, multiple times with various resources, and I was able to see and understand that they were working on this fine motor skill of posting. And by the way, all young toddlers love posting anything into anything. But because I observed them and saw what they were doing, I was able to then provide them with something appropriate to satisfy that skill and to redirect if I saw them doing that with an undesired object. I just DIY'd a coin box, which is really easy. Take a little cardboard box and cut a slit at the top. There you go. That's it. Now, another reason is observations allow us to see what our children are capable of. They can help us see the obvious things like what our children are learning, what they are interested in, what they like, what they dislike. But we can also get an insight into what developmental phase they are in or what their emotional state is or what sort of life events they are trying to process. I can give you an example. When my daughter was two years old, and this was not long after the twins were born, I was observing her playing. She was playing with some giraffes and she was talking about how the baby giraffe's going to sleep with mummy and daddy and the sister giraffe is sleeping here and these are her words all on her own. Now, it still breaks my heart when I just think about it, but um, because I was attuned and listening to what she was saying, I immediately was able to pick up on this. And at that time, the babies, the twins, were with us in our bedroom and she had her own room. She was in her own room. She still came to our bed every night, but this was something that was obviously on her mind and she was just trying to figure it out. So I made sure that I gave her lots of extra attention during the day And we talked about why the babies are in my bedroom and how she used to be in my bedroom when she was a baby, how when they grow up, they'll all be together in a room with her. This observation helped me to notice what she was trying to process. Observations can help us gain a better understanding of our children's behaviours and actions. 
By noticing the way our children behave and what they say, we can determine if there's something that is making them feel worried or uncomfortable. For example, when Mark, my boyfriend, used to go away for work, I noticed that my daughter would become increasingly challenging and unhappy at bedtimes. By observing and trying to understand her behaviour, I could begin to help her through this difficult emotion that she was feeling. We, again, we were able to talk about how she misses her dad and how he most definitely misses her and how and how when we love someone, we miss them when they're not around us and it makes us feel sad, but that's because of how much we love each other. So again, observing her behaviour, I could have seen her bedtime resistance as just misbehaviour or frustration, but through observing when it was happening and how often I was able to deduct that this was going on. And then I was able to help her through it. Observations also help us understand our child's point of view. When we're observing them, we're forced to slow down to their pace and we take in what our child is doing or how they are feeling. We see things from their perspective, which can help us with understanding the reasons for their certain behaviours. I'll give you another example. Again, this is my daughter walking back from a playground. She was about 14 to 15 months old and she had not long learnt how to jump off a step. And of course, she wanted to do this on every single step on the way home. (laughs) Now, I could have ignored her need and just rushed her and told her to come along and stop messing around. But because I had been observing her, I knew that this was something that she had been working so hard on and she had just achieved it. So it helped me understand why she was stopping at every doorway. And even though I wanted to get home as quickly as possible, I knew that to her it was really valuable to do that because it was something that she had just learnt. So you see tons of benefits, tons of benefits of observing our children. So how do we start If you've never done an observation before, don't sweat, I will guide you through this. In this episode, that's what it's for. If you are an experienced observer and you might need a refresher, stick around. And if you think you know everything, then I'd ask you to listen too and uh, let me know if I've missed anything or if you'd like to add anything. To some of us, the idea of an observation may seem very formal, like uh, pen and paper, classroom style. And if that's what you're thinking, I want you to get this image out of your head because observing our children at home absolutely doesn't need to be a formal process. We want it to become part of our day, part of our routine. We want it to become natural to us. But in order for that to happen, we have to start somewhere. We have to take this first step. Now, to be honest, you are probably already doing this every day. You might just not be aware of it. We observe our children pretty much all day, every day. The difference when we are talking about observations like this is that we are intentional about noticing what is going on. It's like the difference between just switching off and brushing your teeth without really thinking about it every night or purposefully tracking which tooth you've brushed and how long so that you're sure that all your teeth are receiving the same attention. I know this is a really ridiculous analogy, but I couldn't think of a better one, so apologies for that. But the main point is, it's all about noticing. 
And if a pen and paper or a pen and pad are your thing, then absolutely go for it. Write things down. I know that some parents like to keep a little journal of what their children are doing just for as a keepsake. But the most important thing is really, really noticing. Notice what they are doing. Notice what they're saying. Notice how they are behaving. Notice how they are responding. This is the key. And to be honest, if this is the only thing you take away from today, that should be it. Making an effort to notice. We can distinguish two different types of observations, spontaneous ones and intentional ones. The spontaneous ones are the type of observation you probably already do. So all you need to do really is take more notice of them. These are when our children say or do something suddenly that makes us think, oh, wow, okay, that's what's going on. Now I understand. I'll give you another example. My daughter was playing with some animals and telling the sister zebra that, oh, she can't come in here because she needs to wash her hands and so that nobody gets sick. And this was at the start of the pandemic. But it gave me an insight into what was on her mind. It could be that you notice your baby working on the skill of rolling and one day they cross their legs and the next day they swing one leg all the way over and then the following week they're swinging their hips round and almost rolling. When you find yourself in that kind of, oh wow moment, take an extra mental note and high five, there you go, you have just done an observation. The second type of observations are intentional ones. And these are when we dedicate some time to observing our children while they're playing. Now, this can be a little bit harder because for many of us, it feels unnatural. When spending time with our children, we feel like we must be doing something with them all the time, like we must be entertaining them. We might worry that if we're just sitting there not doing anything, it could be considered lazy or even negligent. And this is where I'm so grateful to have found the teachings of Maria Montessori and Magda Gerber because they reassure us that observing is absolutely not negligent. In fact, it's the complete opposite. While observing, we're giving our children our full attention. 100% of our focus is on them. Now, contrary to what it might feel like, when we are talking and playing and doing things with and sometimes for our children... We don't actually pay them our full attention. We're more focused on what we are saying or doing that we don't always notice everything or listen to the child. But if we can sit back and really take note of what our children are doing, it helps us learn so much about them. And over time, once you and your child get used to it, you will realise and see how amazing and fantastic children are at entertaining themselves. Also, when we sit back, we don't run the risk of taking over our child's play. Now, another thing that can feel strange but is also so important is to try and refrain from constantly talking to your baby or your child about what he or she is doing. It's not supposed to be a running commentary, but rather a calm, peaceful, quality time together. Don't be afraid of the silence you might actually hear some interesting expressions from your baby or some sentences from your child. Now, this does take some practice, so take it slow and start with short bursts of time. 
maybe dedicate three minutes one day and then maybe next time you do it, dedicate five and then build it up to 10. And once you and your child get used to it, you'll really start seeing the value and the benefits of observing. The more you do it, the more you observe, the more you'll learn to notice, the more information you'll collect and understand the importance of it. Now, it's totally up to you how often If you can manage to do it every day, then go for it. If you can do it once a week, that's also perfect. Like I said, the most important thing is being aware and noticing and not sticking to a timer. You can have an amazing observation that lasts 30 seconds and you can also be watching your child for 10 minutes and be fascinated by what they're doing. So it's totally up to you. I really like this quote by Magda Gerber and she says... To spend some time sitting peacefully in the room while your infant is doing her own thing will make you much more sensitive to your child's needs, her tempo and her style. And that's really what it's all about. It's about being sensitive to their pace, their development, what they're doing and noticing their needs. Now, I want to reiterate again that observing our children at home is not a formal thing. It doesn't mean that we have to sit there with a stern, closed-off look and not speak or respond to our child. Of course we talk to them. Of course we respond to them when they interact with us. But we prioritise watching and we make sure that the play is theirs, that they are leading it. It doesn't have to be silent, but the children should be the ones making most of the noise. I'm going to give you a few examples now as to how this might look for different ages. With a non-mobile baby, you might be sitting or laying on the floor next to them, and then you might notice them grabbing their left foot and giggling and then looking straight at you. That's when you could say, wow, you found your foot. How did that feel? Did it tickle? When your child makes eye contact with you, that's a great rule of thumb to know when to speak, and it's really easy to remember. When they look at you, and they expect a response, then you can respond. Let's think about another example. Your baby is lying on a mat and maybe a loud motorbike drives past outside and you notice your baby startle a little bit, turn their head towards the noise and then look at you with a surprised look. You could say to them, whoa, that was a loud noise. That was a motorbike driving past outside our window. It's important to remember that even the youngest babies deserve the time and space to lead their play. We want to avoid waving objects or toys at them and allow them to decide what they want to do. Babies are incredible observers. We could learn a lot about observations from them. They will observe the world around them if allowed the time. They will watch a ray of light coming through the window or a tree waving in the wind. Before babies can grab objects, their body is their first toy. If you spend some time observing, you will really see how they explore and play with their body. Let's have a look at an older baby now. An older baby might crawl over to you and bring you an object, pass it to you. You can say, oh, thank you for bringing me this blue ball. And then you wait. You don't need to suggest, oh, let's roll it or let's put it in this box or let's hide it. You can wait for your baby to make the next move. They will probably take the ball back and then pass it back to you back and forth for a few times. As as you know, young babies love playing that way. If there is a box in the vicinity, they might try to put it in. And if they do, you know that this has come from them and not from you. 
and this is a skill that they are working on. How about a toddler? When we're playing with a toddler, what I want you to remember and what I want you to have at the forefront of your mind is, (laughs) I'm going to repeat myself again, it's their play. So if they're lining up animals and they want you to be involved, of course you can be involved. You can hold the animals for them in your hand and they can take them from you. You can sit near them as they line them up. The key is not to project our own play and let them carry out what they want. And with toddlers especially, because they are so capable and up to so many things that if we suggest one little thing, it can totally change the course of their play. Whilst if we can try and sit on our hands, we might be so amazed at what they can do. I'll give you another example of uh, when I was watching one of the twins playing with the coloured stacking rainbow. And he was sort of lying the pieces down sideways. I was watching him and what he was doing didn't really make sense to me. But I fought the urge to correct him and quote unquote show him the right way of stacking. And I waited and I watched and then he left the rainbow and went off to get some cars. And then he ended up placing a car in the middle of each semicircle. So if I had interfered and told him, oh, this is how you stack a rainbow, I would have completely spoiled his original idea. But because I was able to sit on my hands and bite my tongue and just wait a few minutes to see what he was actually doing, I saw that he had a plan and he was carrying it out. I want you to remember that most toddler play does not look like it does on Instagram and Pinterest. When you see these beautiful structures built out of colourful blocks and rainbows and roads, etc., I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but I can guarantee that that was not set up by a toddler. (laughs) An older child, absolutely, yeah, but one or two-year-olds, no way they are going to build an elaborate structure like that. So don't expect that of your toddler. Let them explore the materials and resources in their own way and they will eventually get to that. They will eventually start building structures, but it all starts from allowing that exploration to happen. And if you continue to observe, you will see the development of their creativity and their skills. When we first introduced the magnetic tiles, my twins started playing with them and Over time, they went from just sticking one tile to another, to each other, to stacking them, like three or four on top of each other. Then they started experimenting with other surfaces. They were sticking them on the baby gate or the radiator. And then they started stacking them vertically. And I think this was because they had been watching their older sister doing it. But because I was observing them this whole time, and this was a process over a couple of months, I could see and appreciate their exploration and development happening. An older verbal child might want a lot more interaction from you. Now, I have to admit, I find it so much easier observing babies than I do my four-year-old, because she always wants me to play with her. She gives me characters or animals and wants me to interact. And and then when I do, she gets frustrated because I've said the wrong thing or put them in the wrong place. So again, what I do is I remind myself and I would urge you to remember that we need to let the child lead. And yes, it does sometimes feel strange and 
to be honest, it took us both, me and my daughter, a while to learn how to do this. But now what I do is I wait for her to tell me and she will give me a figure and tell me the daddy goes here and he's going to bed. So I follow her instructions and then she'll say, the mum and the baby are going out now. Bye bye. And I follow her lead. So even if I say something, I'm responding to what she said and it's her play. It's completely hers. I can play and observe at the same time. During play is often when older children process life events, things that are on their mind, things they might be worried about or their fears. If we take over, that opportunity for them to express their thoughts is shut away. Observations help with so many aspects of being a parent and you'll see throughout this podcast I'm going to keep referring back to how important observing our children is and how much it can do for us as parents. So who's ready to start? I'd like you to decide on a time today or tomorrow. Give yourself a specific time, like for example, after breakfast or after their nap and dedicate three to four minutes to sitting down and observing your child. And the two key points I want you to remember is one, noticing, really noticing what they're doing and two, letting them lead. Remember that it's their play. If you and your child are not used to this, start slow. Start with one minute. If your child is expecting you to keep talking or doing something, be honest and tell them, I'm going to sit near you today and watch you play for a little bit. And then sit on your hands, bite your tongue and enjoy observing your child. If you go to my Instagram page, my handle at Trusting Children, I'll be sharing more tips and ideas on how you can start with observations. If you would like to share your observation with me, tag me in your post or in your stories or send me a message or email. I would love to hear from you and I would love to hear how it's going. I also have a little observation reminder sheet that you can print. If you sign up to my newsletter on my website, www.trustingchildren.com, you can get a link to download that. That's all from me today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that it was useful and I hope to see you in the next episode. We're all in this together and we have got this.